podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only as it may contain adult content and explicit language. Join us for the very first IFL Live at London's Indigo at the O2, Sunday, August the 13th, with me, Coogan Cassius, and some very special guests, Eddie Hearn, Darren Barker, Johnny Fisher, and more. Tickets now on sale. So in the words of Eddie Hearn... You get up, you dress up, and you fucking show up. Hello and welcome to Raw the Fight Within podcast with me, Coogan Cassius. This week, delighted to be joined... Used to call you Young Alfie Best, but 26, I don't know, you're still Young Alfie Best? I'd consider myself young, I'm the youngest of them. <laughs> Alfie, I remember you when you was in your, your teens, and I don't know, it seems like a lot has kind of happened over the last sort of five or six years. Oh, an awful lot, still good looking though, it hasn't aged me. <laughs> Alright, well listen, we're going to start a little bit boxing related, and then we're going to kind of move away from that, and... Uh, uh, we'll see where this conversation goes. But what, what were your first ever memories of boxing like at all? First memories of boxing for me was very, very, very early. Started boxing very young. You, you're, you're from the Essex area, yes, Coogan. Yeah. Right, well, you'd know, do you know Brentwood Boxing Club? Yes, of course. Well, I used to box at Ongar with Alan Bush, who was, I'm sure he's still the trainer for Brentwood now. Yeah. And then Ongar closed down and then I went to Ongar and I was there at four, four or five-year-old, literally that young. Was there anyone like when you were even getting interested in boxing that as as a matter of fact, watching? sorry, Go on. at Onga, I was boxing with Johnny Fisher. Right. I've actually got photos of me and Johnny like oh, very, really? very, 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 very young. We had done gym shows together. Yeah, like, so you're about I'm, the same age, aren't you? Well, no, I'm actually we actually went to school together. Also, we went to the same. Uh, Big John, if my dad couldn't pick me up from school, Big John would pick me up from school and then take me to the boxing club. Oh, it was right. mad out how, yeah, yeah. how it turned out. Um, no, actually, as you can see now, Johnny's twice the size of me. Yeah. Well, he was always bigger than me then. I'm a couple of years older, yeah. but he's just a unit, isn't he? So that's why it kind of, it kind of matched. Right. But there wasn't um, <clears throat> anyone you used to like watch and kind of, not idolise, but just... Like for me, just as a fan, I always used to say, or still say it now, like Prince Nassim Hamid was the one I used to watch when I was a kid that got me even interested in boxing. Obviously, not from a going to fight perspective, from a just being interested in sport. Was there anyone that um, caught your eye or kind of you took notice of more? I think back then, I think my idol would have had to have been Ricky Atten. Yeah. Like I remember when he lost to Floyd Mayweather. I never even knew Floyd Mayweather was, and I was a boxing fan yeah. until he boxed Ricky Atten, and then obviously he lost, and I was genuinely upset yeah. like deep down it hurt I couldn't believe it like I was hoping to wake up the next morning and it all be a bad dream it's about 14 years ago right? it was 2007 seven. I think it was it's a longer it is 16 years ago wow cool yeah I remember that but yeah <laughs> I'm not older than you um, it, I mean look it, always I talk to people within the industry and I kind of ask them if 
they weren't in the industry of boxing, what do they think they'd be doing now? Now, for you, in answering that question, it's a bit different because obviously boxing's played a small part of your life but not the complete part of your life. But do you think that if you hadn't kind of got involved in any aspect of boxing, and we'll talk about kind of the two fights that you have had, but do you think you may have tried any other sport or tried to be, as you're a competitive young man, is there anything else you would have done? I've tried a lot of sports anyway. They're probably still sports that I haven't tried. I've tried a lot of sports anyway, but I think I would possibly be a different person if I didn't box. It's taught me so much, so much about life, stuff you learn in the gym that you don't even realise until you walk out onto the street. You know, it, it, it humbles you, should I say. Mm. So you think if that aspect wasn't in your life, you think your life not would have been different, but you as a person may have... Well, as a person, I'd say I'm very disciplined. I'm very hard working. Now, I believe I learned that all in the boxing gym. I definitely never learned it in school. Yeah. So, um, the fundamental aspects that kids are taught, like I said, yeah, isn't necessary to go in there and have a fight. It's all the other aspects around it, like you mentioned, discipline, etc. Absolutely, but the, the, the way I see it is... If anybody asked me for any life or work advice, I would say hard work and persistence and dedication. All three of those things, if you don't have that, then you're never gonna make it as a boxer. Mm. And in a boxing gym, that is instilled in you. Yeah. If you haven't got that, then it's pointless even walking out into an amateur boxing ring. Like throughout, that's it, hard work, discipline, and persistence and sacrifice. Sacrifice is a big thing about boxing. I'd say, I don't know much about any other sports, but what I do know from boxing, these fighters on an elite, even on an amateur level, have to make huge amounts of sacrifice. I have myself, on the two professional fights I've had, you have to make sacrifice. All through my amateur career, mm. I made massive sacrifice. Is that something that sacrifice, you're right, you're right totally about that because it is who's willing to sacrifice more. Exactly. Tends to kind of further their career in, in that field. But for yourself, did you ever get to a point where you were sacrificing uh, aspects of your life to dedicate, whether it's from the amateur, obviously not from a professional scene as much because you only had two fights, but from an amateur perspective, you said that you'd had to do that sacrifice Ab in certain aspects of your life. Absolutely, in order yeah. to win or to go there with the right mindset, you'd have to make them sacrifices. Now, that's not going nowhere. Food, the eating, the diet is, I'd mm. say, the hardest part. Especially, unless you're a heavyweight, which I'd imagine, as a heavyweight, I'm not heavyweight, but you would have to eat clean still. Yeah. But every weight up until that, the, the, the weight is a nightmare. Mm. And on top of that, you've got to train two or three times a day as a pro. Now, as an amateur, when the schools come on, we was training five or six days a week, twice a day. Which, if you want to talk about sacrifice, let's just take time, for example. In reality, the most expensive thing in the world, you're giving so much of it, all of it. Because time you're finished training, time you're finished dieting, you're ready to go to bed at nine o'clock. Yeah. There is no, um, there's no social time. Your social time is in the gym. As, obviously you're young at 26 now, but as a kid, did you get into fights? Was you someone that would get into altercations? Do you remember one of any now? Uh, I've had a couple, but that's just being from my travelling background. It's not something I want to promote or push forward. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a couple. You do, you know, on, on nights out. It has happened. Uh, I think boxing has stopped me from having an awful lot because once you know what it feels like to get punched in the face, you don't necessarily want to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, 
again, the things that's taught people, put people in the gyms, do the fighting, not saying in the gym, but you're sparring, etc. but keep it away from the street, pretty much. Absolutely. Well, the people that have got a loud mouth are usually the ones that can't fight. You know, that is, that is just how it is. People that can hold their hands up are just, you know, they're not really that interested in it, are they? But for, you, for yourself, Alfie, obviously, you know, you had your first fight back in, what, 2017? 2017. And then won a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, the consistency there, obviously, first of all, the gap between there was, what, four years. So what was, what was happening in that four years for you? Well, a lot of things come up, actually. I, st I started a... Uh, um, a lot of things come up, actually. I, thought I bought my first mobile home park. Uh, my second mobile home park uh, during that time. A television programme came up called Absolutely Ascot, which throwed me right off, to be quite honest with you. I didn't really want to do it, but you know, I sat down with my dad, and my dad said it might be good, especially following from Towie, made in Chelsea. It could have took off, and it could have been extremely good for life. Now, I don't particularly like doing these television programmes, but I do want to be successful and that age that we're in that does help having a platform like Instagram or Twitter was uh, uh, was a big thing but it helps you along your life for me I look at it like a shop window yeah. like my Instagram would be the fakest out there yeah. I'll be personal I don't post exactly what I'm doing where I'm at and where I'm going but to have a following I can start a business more or less whatever I wanted to if I wanted to start a podcast it would be relatively successful straight away yeah because of the following that I already have yeah. via social media. Now, that's why I wanted to do it and push forward. Now, was it for me? Not really. Do I want to do it again? No, not really. But if something come up and it would benefit me how I thought it was going to benefit me, and it worked and it didn't work. It never took off like Towie. Um, it never took off like Towie, and it never took off like... A lot of people watched it, but it, it had already been done, mm. you know? It didn't, didn't catch like Towie or... Uh, like, it never made me. But at some point, mm -hmm. you would have thought, again, that that was a possible career Absolutely. opportunity. But unless you try it, you ain't going to know. Well, the start of a career, I would have said, because I would never really wanted to make it. At all during this time when I was filming, I was always been working. All through when I was boxing, I've still been running businesses. Mm. With, with someone like yourself that has kind of... That thing with it obviously stemmed from your family and, mm -hmm. and your father being entrepreneurial, shall we say. Um, is it sometimes there's too many options for you of what your life path could be? Um, yes, but I try not to let that creep in and think about that because that would give me anxiety to think about that and all too much going on. When there's all too much going on, you get nothing done. Yeah. So I do try and concentrate on, on one or two things. But when things come up, you've, you've got to take chances. And yeah. got to get involved because otherwise you won't know. Talk to me about a point in your life, and like I said, I've got to keep referring to because you've you're 26. Yep. But tell me about a point in your life that you felt that you were uh, fighting a losing battle, whatever that may be. When I was fighting a losing battle, could be any aspect of your life. When I was in school. I yeah. felt like I was fighting a losing battle because I was getting so disheartened because when I come out of school, I couldn't actually read or write, like very minimal. I actually learned to read and write through social media, i.e. Facebook. It was actually Facebook that learned me to read and write. Now, when I was younger, it's very disheartening to look around you and you're surrounded by people that are relatively clever doing what they are told to do. Now, I tried that. Yeah. It wasn't that I didn't go in school and didn't try. I just, I believe I needed teaching in a different way because when I come out of school and I started 
living in the real world and working. Now, I was selling sweets in school, and that was my purpose to go to school. My purpose wasn't to learn. My purpose was to go to school to earn money. And that was why we come to a decision that I think it's best that I leave because I wasn't interested in learning because I was so far behind everybody else. It just it disheartened you. Like if you, if you, like for example, to put it into boxing terms, if a flyweight was getting in with Tyson Fury, you're not going to go in there with the best mindset, are you? And that's not a good way to start. Now that was the same way with me going to school. What did you get out of school? What did Apart I get? From, we'll talk about the sweet selling in a minute. What did, uh, what did, what did, did I get of? out of school? I don't think I got anything. I probably got out of my mum and dad's air for a couple of hours. I think that was the only benefit from it. I think I was pleased to get me there for that. Apart from that, you know, I've got a couple of friends that I still speak to from school and a network of people throughout your life. You need other people. I think a network in a business or whatever you're trying to do is very important. Now, that's the start of your whole networking. I built, obviously, some good social skills, what people like, oversee, I suppose. You know, not oversee. Um, like, they overlook it. Like, yeah. Because you don't think, like, in school, while you're mixing and, and talking to other children, you're obviously building a personality, should I say. Yeah. Uh, well, and, that, and that's what I would say I got from school, apart from that very, very little. I used to love history, and I was... Like, with history, you obviously never had to be academically clever. Like, you just needed to look, remember, and, you know, and I was good. I used to like history, I used to love school trips, etc. but apart from that, nothing. But then again, I look at history and think to myself, like, where down the line is Henry VIII and his seven wives ever going to help me in any, in any area of my life? He's not, is he? But I still enjoyed it. It's a weird one, history, you're right, because I suppose a lot of things you are taught at school, and I left school 20-something years ago, but I suppose apart from... English and maths, maybe, maybe, um, yeah, history. What is it really kind of built you for? Unless that was the field that you wanted to go into. Well, I just, I just, like I said, I used to really enjoy it. So I never used to say nothing then. But in reality, where is it going to help anyway? It's not, it's not, is it? So your your primary purpose of going to school was to earn money. No, in primary school that wasn't the case. I started off at Gideon Park, then from Gideon Park I went to Cuffley, and then when I went to secondary school I see somebody else selling sweets from the very first or second day that I walked in there. And that was when I thought to myself, right, that's an extremely good idea. And then I started. What was you making a day? Uh, there was days I could go and have 50, 60 to 100 pounds, you know, sometimes it could be. 100 pounds? Yeah. Selling sweets? Sweets, sands, cans of Coke. My whole locker was filled up with sweets. No, but I actually found a cash and carry, yeah. <laughs> which helped me dearly. You were because, on a different level to that, yeah. Well, I just looked and I took interest in, in, in how they were doing it. And everybody that was doing it in school used to buy the, the sweets from the shop, rock up, to, uh, rock up to school and sell them. Now, I started off doing that. Mm. Then I went to work with my granddad once, and I realised, right, this is obviously where they're buying them from. Now, if you had a, a, an initial investment, like, you know, it wouldn't have to be a lot, maybe one or two hundred pounds. Yeah. to go and buy a lot, you know, like a box of wham bars, a, a big tray of Coca-Colas, then it would, uh, uh, it was, uh, and the thing is, I wasn't looking to undercut everybody. I was just looking for more profit. Like, I never sold my stuff any cheaper than anybody else, because there was like a, a base price that everybody used to sell it for. It was like a mad, mad little thing of everybody that used to do it. I used to write everything down that I used to sell. I got stopped by the teachers a couple of times, you know, and I never used to earn £100 every single day, but I'm saying, like, if I had a good day, you could go and earn £100. Oh. Where, 
I'm curious about this because I was just thinking, is this something like, would you go and tell your dad that you were doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My dad would support it. Yeah. And if my dad was to be called into the school over this, my dad would not entertain the conversation. He would look up and say, oh, I support what my son is doing. He's not breaking the law. That's what life is when we go out. He's not doing anything wrong. Now, if I was to do something wrong, I used to have to pay my sister to hide detention letters. Like, my dad was serious. He wanted me to do good in school because yeah. his theory behind it is if you're going to school, go yeah. and learn. If you're not, you're wasting your time. But I just couldn't really get my head around it. But anything to do with business, he would support. Yeah. Wow. What, what, what are the everyday battles for you now? Like I said, I keep referring to your age, but every day, every day, everyday battles for everyday battles. Uh, well, to be honest, since I reverted to Islam, there are a lot less. Like I'm very mentally clear, and I look at things. If something bad happens, I look at it and say, "Great, I'm alive." And if something good happens, I look at it and think, "Like no, if something bad happens, I look great, I'm alive. It could be worse. If something good happens, great, thank God that went well." That is the mentality which helps me an awful lot. But everyday battles, always money. I always want to earn as much money as I physically can. You know, always try and strive and achieve the next goal. And when you're not that step closer that you wanted to be that day, then that aggravates me. Do you get stressed? Absolutely. But like I say, I try try not to because stress doesn't help. If anything, it scrambles my brain and How makes. Do you do like, religion. Yeah. Helps. I'm not saying it's a quick fix but it helps it's something else to dive, navigate your mind to I wanted to kind of lead on from that obviously yeah, it's publicised that you reverted yep. um, to Islam mm -hmm. yeah just I wanted you to touch on that and talk to me about where that all kind of stemmed from well anybody that's ever watched me on a podcast unfortunately for you the story's never going to change so I have said it a million times before, but obviously because this is a different, a new podcast, I will start from scratch from the beginning. But if you've already heard it, please, I apologise. But unfortunately, the story's never going to change. Right? That's fine. I was out, my friend's a, a, a reaver, his name's Danny. He, he's agged me to take him out on my dad's helicopter once upon a time. Oh, for a couple of weeks. Also, uh, uh, we buy and sell watches, we do business together. Etc. A very good friend of mine. In any case, we're out on my dad's helicopter one day, and well, he's been agging me for months. I oh, take me out. You took this one out. So I said, okay, no problem. Gets it organised for the day. We goes out. Uh, we flies down to Cornwall to go and see one of my dad's friends called John Mapping. He owns a castle down there. We went and had a little bit of lunch. We're on our way back. Danny said, right, I've got to go because I've got to go into. Uh, I've got to go in take my mum to do her shahada. So I said, okay, no problem, I'm asking a couple of questions because it intrigued me enough to be able to ask these questions. And I said, would I be able to come in there? Like, so I was a bit curious, like, would they welcome me? Would they not want me? So all of a sudden I go in the mosque with my friend, his mum, and a couple of others of us, uh, a few others of us. And I just felt something in the mosque that I'd never felt in any earthly place. And there was just visions and thoughts running through my mind. Like, wow, I think this is what I could be missing. You know, so I took a Quran from the Imam, like asking him the question, I couldn't just go into Moscow, I felt this feeling, I'm gonna uh, revert to Islam, but I thought I will definitely look into it. And I started reading the Quran and I was very compatible and I related to so much what was in the Quran. I thought like, this is for me, I can follow, I can be a good, a good Muslim if I try my best. And it is about your intentions. That is basically what it all stems down to, is, is your intentions and I think it's great and it's, helped me an awful lot but that's that's the story there was nothing really before there's a lot that's happened after which is all pointed in the right direction to say 
wow, you've made the best decision. But before that, up until that day, there was no thoughts or anything else. It was just that whole day what changed everything. Do you believe this has helped you in all aspects of your life? It's factual that it's yeah. helped. It's a fact. It's there. The evidence is there in front of me. It's good. And like I said, because obviously your life is quite varied, isn't it? I mean, from being young to now, and it's going to be. So to find something that you can kind of, that gives you that, if you like. Well, we all look for guidance and help and advice. Now, people that give us that guidance and help and advice, me included, you, any of your friends, they, your friends, I'd imagine, and your family would be giving you the advice that they think is right. Now, just because they think it's right doesn't mean that it's right. You know, and this is where I think that religion helps. Do you know what? You're, you're, you're so right about that. And I, I, I say this a lot um, about when you ask people's advice about stuff. So their advice is going to be based on their experiences. For example, if you ask me about... Um, say you ask me about a woman, for example, and my advice is based on my relationships, so my advice is all stemmed from that. Now, that might not be right for you. So I always think that really certain situations... Don't ask people your advice. I think the only person that really knows is yourself. Exactly. Guidance is different. That's different. But someone could point in the right direction or give you like a balanced view of something. But taking advice from people is always, it's always tainted from their own experience. Exactly. That doesn't listen. Exactly like you say, it's a different time. Uh, The timing might be different. It could just be a matter of a different time. Same situation, different time. Now that can change everything. Of course it could. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Just how someone's mindset is today. You ask me a question today, I might have the amp. So I'll answer it in a certain way. But if you ask me tomorrow or later on tonight, you might get a different answer. Exactly. That's a conversation, Alfie. What, um, have you ever had to fight demons in your life? Are you still fighting any demons if you have to? Uh, I think we, I think we all do. And not, I wouldn't say now I'd be so clear and, and, like I say, I'm just in a very, very, very good headspace at the minute. You know, and like, like, I think the demons that, that, that do come up and we do fight are literally living in our own head. It's for us to get them out and see the end of the rainbow and the positive side. And I think that, that's how it helps. Like When you can vision the end of the rainbow, that's when it makes it a lot easier to push any bad or dark thoughts. You know? Is that what you train your mind to do? Uh, I... I don't really feel like I do train my mind. My mind is just so determined and persistent to get where I want to go. It's moving like this all the time. It doesn't slow down to let anything kind of creep in there. And when I do feel that there is something like that creeping in there, then I get it rushing again. Where, where does your, and I mean this in like a, a mental sense as opposed to a physical sense, but where does your fight spirit come from? Does it come from your family, your dad? Where does it come from? Or is it something that you've instilled into yourself? You're very competitive, and like you said, you told me over there earlier on, you hate to lose. You don't want to lose, and you've got that kind of mindset. Where does that all come from? Me and my dad are very much alike where that's concerned. Now, we have our similarities, and we have stuff where we're the complete bipolar of one another, which is, you know, maybe what's taking me mum's side. I don't know. But I would say that it's come from my background, from my dad's mum. She's... 75 now, she's still going to work, working hard as ever, you know, I don't know that, that, that's a winning mentality, mm. to get up and go to work, 
because I've said on previous podcasts, I, regardless what somebody's doing, I love to see somebody out working because there is so many people that don't. Like, it's all good saying, oh, this one works here, that one works here, I wouldn't work that job, they are there doing it. I have to, you have to credit that. Mm. Because they then take a step back, the person that's not doing a thing. That's the people I look at, like, well, what are you doing with yourself then? From a young age, you've had to kind of, you've had a little bit of a stigma attached to yourself because of obviously how successful yeah. your dad is. How have you coped with that? That doesn't, if anything, it helps me push forward and go further because now anybody that knows me knows the true story. I haven't got to sit and explain it, knows the true story. Anybody that knows me, anybody that I've ever done business with, which is an awful lot of people. And the reason it helps me push forward is because all the people that disbelieve in me, everything I do, I'm just adding more evidence more facts, you know, as time's going on, which again is proving and proving and proving itself. Like, like what I've done, like I'm not blowing my own trumpet, but some things I've done are amazing. Now, I'm humbly saying that, but there's no getting around it. There's no playing it down. It's great what I've done, especially from a young age. Now, was I in a brilliant, good position from the start? Yes, I was, because forget the money, the network I had around me people that my dad's built up through his, so, so, so is that a problem? But the thing is, a lot of people that are looking at his dad's giving this, his dad's giving that, are not shrewd and wise enough to look up and go, well, do you know what, he has worked for himself, but he had a network of people around him. It's all money, 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 money. Yeah. Which in reality, if you step back and went, look at the network he had around him, it was always gonna work. Well, in reality it was, because I had such good people around me. I'm in a lot better position than most, I know that. But I'm not gonna sit and say I've had everything gifted to me when I haven't. But if there's a network of people around me, that I can go and use and help me along my journey, I'm out looking for them people on a daily basis anyway. I love connecting with people. That is also why I love Instagram, because it's a worldwide platform. I can contact you from wherever in the world that could be of, of benefit to me or I could be of benefit to you. Now that's, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really bother me as such. Do you think it comes a lot from jealousy? I think we live in a world of jealousy at the moment and there's a lot more people that Big John Fury once had an interview. They they want to see you doing well, but they don't want to see you doing better oh, than I saw them. That. I and, that was a brilliant quote. And I think he's I think he's more or less right. You know, I think he's right. But I do I do think a lot of it maybe come from jealousy. But once again, that's something that is contagious, yeah. and I don't like to be around it. You know, I I have jealousy, but I believe my jealousy is in a good way because I will look if someone was driving that car. I go, car. I wish I was him today driving up and down in the big Lamborghini or in the jet. I wish I was him. Cool, I wish I could have that. Do you know what I mean? But I wouldn't say, oh, right, you don't have it, I won't have it, no one can have it. Do you understand yeah. where I'm coming from? Oh, well, he's a prick because he's got that. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. I like, I like to see people do well. I love to see people do well. Like I, I, if I can help someone in any which way, shape or form, I will try. Mm. Yeah, I, I heard that quote the other day and I listened back to it a couple of times. I can't remember where... It was on, that was on Instagram, where he said uh, they want to see you do well, but not as well as them. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was bang on. He's right. Yeah. No, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying there's a lot of people out there like that. No, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, so, you obviously, and I mean this in a, a mental sense as opposed to a physical sense again, but, you know, you, you fight for your 
your family, your dad, everyone, your community. Uh, who fights for you? Who's got your back 24-7? Ah, that I've got some very, 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 very good friends that have got my back 24-7. My girlfriend's got my back 24-7. My dad's had my back 24-7 for all the years that I've been alive. My mum, a lot of my family. I've got some very good people around me, thankfully. People that you can call on at any point, yeah? Yeah, but equally, I would be, if I'm a friend to somebody, they could call on me at any point and I would do my utmost best. What's your plan for the next sort of five years? Do you have a plan? Yeah, I do. Property's how I see my future moving forward properly now. I buy and sell watches. I buy and sell tickets for events. They're my two main businesses at the moment. But the thing about those is I am the business. It's not something I can set up and it run itself. If I'm not running it, it's not going to work. But property, obviously, you're earning money when you sleep, so I'm just trying to earn as much money as I possibly can, put it all into property, and then move forward that way. And that's all I've seen, and that's all I know, really. Now, I can go and get what I like to call hand-to-mouth money. You know, I can go and earn wages, make, uh, make a day's work from more or less anything, I'd imagine. But I'd like to, obviously, get to the billions and two billions. I want to be super rich. Now, I'd say a gazillion because I also have a theory of reach for the stars if you miss you'll hit the moon. And that's, I, I believe, a very good mentality to have because it always keeps you striving. Aside from money, though, what, what's the motivational factors for you? To be happy and to have a good life and obviously in the future have a family. have a, a, a son and a daughter of my own. That's, you know, but apart from that, everything that goes with it would be money-related. It's interesting because you've got such a switched on head at a young age and you're right, it's through the people that you've kind of used that work network a lot that, that has been around you that's kind of shaped you into who you are today. Listen, if you mix and socialise with five idiots, you will become the sixth. If you mix and socialise around five millionaires, you will become the sixth. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say all my friends are millionaires, they're all, all idiots, but I get yeah. the, the concept that's and the, the, that's the, the, the idea behind that. I do get that. Um, so is that how you've, or how you live your life now? It's how I've been told. And the thing is, as I've got older, as I've got older, it, you know, a lot, a, lot, a lot of stuff that my dad said to me from a young age has been wrong and times have changed, but a lot of it has also been very right. Tell me one right thing and one wrong thing. Your dad said to you. <clears throat> well, I've got two. I've got two mortgages on on my mobile home park. Now this is debatable, but I believe I was right. But I'll give you an example. I've got two mortgages on my mobile home site. There was a stage where we had a good deal on the mobile home park. I sold a chalet, and I sat down and said, "Right, I think I should pay that off of the mortgage." He said, "No." He said, "Put that away. Put it into another site." Yeah. yeah? Which at the time the information was correct. Now. The interest rates have gone through the roof. So that's. Uh, but he made the best call he thought at that time. At that time. Yeah. And um, that is just that is one thing. That, to be honest, that's the only one that pops into my head, really. But there are others, there's definitely others. And, uh, and listen, about networking companies, always said to me, you are the company you keep. Mm. If you could drop back. 26, if you could drop back to when you were 20, six years ago, what does a 26-year-old Alfie Best tell a 20-year-old? 
Alfie Best, what would you tell yourself? Um, do you know what? I've thought about this an awful lot before when I've looked at old photos of myself. Like, I wonder what that 20-year-old Alfie Best would think of me. Uh, to be honest, a little bit younger than that. Like, I always thought, what that 10-year-old Alfie Best think of, you know, where I am today. Um, but what would a 26-year-old... You now, if you would jump back in time to 2017 and advise yourself or tell yourself something, what would you tell yourself? I'd have told him to get out of the watch job before 2022. <laughs> so, uh, I've not got out of it, definitely got out of a few pieces I was holding. Apart from that, I don't know. Um, what would I... Do you know what? Like I say to everybody, I can't never... I like to... You know, live by a moral code, and I've tried my utmost best to, and I don't think I've done a bad job at it before I even reverted to Islam. I've, you know, I've had very strong morals, and I think that helps you in life. Um, but, you know, hard work, dedication, persistence is really everything you need to get to where you want to go. Now, you can tell yourself you've, you've done all that, but just stop and think to yourself, have I dedicated myself? Have I been persistent? Have I made sacrifices? And genuinely, like, that will, whatever you are doing, if you have got those three things, or you do those three things, you are well on your way to success, I believe. Now, I'm speaking from experience. That's what's helped me. It hasn't been that I've been academically clever, not at all. Like I said, I've had good people around me which has helped being able to ask and being told and, and, and learning from other people's mistakes. Now, my dad's always told me that from a very young age. Learn from the mistakes of others. We don't live long enough to make them all ourselves. Now, someone telling you about a mistake they've made and the outcome of that mistake is very, 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 very good. Better than asking somebody's advice if they tell you a real life situation. That might not be right, it might not be wrong, but the thing is you have another scenario maybe in your head of something maybe you didn't think about what could go wrong, for example. Like that camera, for example. If you said to me, oh, right, I'm thinking about doing a podcast, uh, do you reckon I'd be better holding the camera or do you reckon I'd be better off on a tripod? Well, and I looked up and said, well, I did have a tripod, but the lead broke mid-filming. Do you understand? Oh, well, I didn't think of that. Do you see what I'm That's how it helps. Do you know what? Just following on from what you're saying there, I think you're spot on with that as well. I think... People always focused on learning from their own mistakes. But what a better way to learn from other people's mistakes because then you may not have to go through that, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning today, Alfie, to be fair. Um, so, for you, tell me three things that drives that fight within you. Three things. I'm going to lose the money part of it out. So, you can't use money. But then I would say... To live a good life and for everybody around me to be happy, but at the same time, I would say that that comes with money. Yeah. Like it's all very good and easy saying, you know, money's not everything. We're like, no, you're right, it's not. It fucking helps. But <laughs> well, it has a lot to do with everything, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, you need it for most things. Right. It's 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 easy to say that, and you know, but still, like, you know, health comes first, of course. But in reality, if anything goes wrong with your health, the strongest position to be in is to have money in your pocket, in reality. Now, some people might not want to hear that, but it's the truth. So that's... that's, that's yeah, I think we, I mean, that can be looked at in, in two ways. And it's always, I think, 
who's saying it. So if someone says, oh, look, money, that old money can't buy you happiness and, and things like that. I mean, it depends the way you're looking at it and then what you look at to make you happy as well. Um, well, anything that's ever made me happy in reality has cost money, to be fair. No, actually, that's a lie. The happiest I've ever been in my whole entire life was winning a boxing fight. Now, anybody can also relate to that. Anybody that's ever stepped foot in a boxing ring, that you have the uppest of ups and the lowest of lows. Getting beat, once again, is the horriblest feeling in the world, which lasts well over a week for me. And winning, well, there's, there's no amount of natural endorphins you would ever feel, you know, of happiness from winning a boxing fight. You've not had children yet either, so no. you've got that to come to kind of fit all the, the pieces of the Alfie best jigsaw. Yeah. Okay, well listen, Alfie, uh, appreciate your time on here. I do actually feel like I've learnt some stuff today. Well, not learnt right. some stuff, I feel like from you I've, your thought process is, has similarities to the way I think, not about everything, but just yeah, a lot of things you, you say kind of, yeah. Sure, I'm always on the other end of the phone if ever you need anything, Coogan. Do always appreciate, mate. Um, right, Alfie, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Raw the Fight Within podcast with me, Coogan Cassis, and Alfie Best. We will see you next week. Well, you'll hear us next week as well. Uh, make sure you comment, like, and subscribe. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.